Welcome to Growing Your Team, a podcast designed for small business owners seeking to grow their company with the help of employees and contractors. Your time is limited, which means growing and leveraging teams is essential for business success. The Growing Your Team podcast is the place to learn tips and techniques designed to help you know when it's the right time to hire, how to select perfect fit team members, and how to maximize productivity while creating a positive work environment. Drawing from her 10 plus years of leadership and hiring experience, here is your host, Jamie Van Kuyk. Hello, Jamie Van Kuyk here, and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today, I have on guest Nikki Rausch. As CEO of Sales Maven, an organization dedicated to authentic selling, Nikki has the unique ability to transform the misunderstood process of selling. With 25 years of experience selling to such prestigious organizations as the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Hewitt Packer, and NASA, Nikki shattered sales records in many industries, receiving multiple top producer awards along the way. Today, entrepreneurs and small business owners from a wide range of disciplines hire Nikki to show them how to sell successfully and authentically without being pushy or salesy. An engaging and sought-after speaker, she shares the secrets of her sales success through illuminating keynote addresses and business-changing workshops. Her robust Sales Maven Society ignites game-changing outcomes for clients. Nikki's three popular books are available on Amazon, and her podcast, Sales Maven, can be found on your favorite podcast platform. Let me just say, I love Nikki. I've been a part of her Sales Maven Society for a while now and met her a few years back at a women's business conference and love, love, love her philosophy of selling because as I talk about in the episode, I kind of always viewed sales as this topic that I was just like, oh my goodness, I have to do in my business. Like, I don't want to apply any of these horrible sales techniques that I just feel, I don't know, I I just don't like when people apply them and push them towards me. So I was like, I don't want to do that. And I just loved Nikki's different approach to selling. It is so much more natural and has worked amazing for me. But even though we talk about that just a little bit in this episode, that's not the purpose of Nikki coming on the Growing Your Team podcast. During this episode, we are hearing about Nikki growing her team. Now, Nikki has a team of contractors only, so we'll hear about why contractors, how she identified and brought on her first team member, and how she has grown her team since. We also talk about how you can leverage a team to continue being able to offer the one-to-one services that you love and enjoy without feeling overwhelmed and how you can continue to scale your services where you're help having other people help you with the client's facing work. So let's jump into the conversation. Hi, Nikki. Thank you so much for joining us on the Growing Your Team podcast. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes, you're so welcome. Before we jump into everything today, can you take a moment and introduce yourself and your business to everybody? 
Absolutely. So I'm Nikki Roush. My company is Sales Maven. I am a sales coach and trainer, and I specialize in teaching people how to have strategic sales conversations. So I teach a five-step process to selling. I call it the selling staircase, and it's all about the conversation, what to say, how to say it, and how to move people from step to step to step so that you get to the place where you exchange dollars for services. And I work with um, primarily women, and I work with you know, people one-on-one, you know, private coaching. I have a, a podcast called the Sales Maven Podcast, and I have a group program, which is my Sales Maven Society. That's my membership program. And yeah, that's me. That's what I do. Thank you. Yeah. So I've been a member of the Sales Maven Society, what, for I think a year and a half now? I'm trying to think maybe a little bit longer than that. Probably yeah, oh, maybe longer. almost close to two years now. And yeah. it is, it is great. One of the things I really love about Nikki's approach is as sometimes like you say this too, Nikki, you're taking like the sleaze out of selling. So if you've ever <laughs> been like, you know, you make a connection with someone on LinkedIn and you automatically get that like sales pitch where you're like, you could tell that they send it to everyone. Nikki's approach is 100% the opposite to the point where <laughs> I've even like, when I get those like horrible pitches in LinkedIn have directed them to like episodes of Nikki's podcast and everything to be like, Hey, here's maybe you should go and learn how to do this. So you don't have to contact <laughs> 200 people to maybe get one person to say yes to you. Yeah, no kidding. Well, thank you. I'm super honored that you would send people my way for that. And yes, my approach is much more relationship rapport based. How do you create curiosity and, you know, draw people to want to have conversations to like be able to ask questions and have real conversations with real people. Right. Yes. And I love it. It's for me, for a person that it was like, oh my goodness, I actually have to sell to have a business. Like that just seems so like foreign and uncomfortable to me. And your process makes it so it's not so foreign and uncomfortable. And I just love, I love being a member of the society because you're there to answer questions. You guide us and with everything. So thank you so much for putting all that together for all us business owners who need that type of support and want to get better in our sales techniques. Well, thank you. And it is an honor to be able to lead that group and to really teach people that selling doesn't have to be awkward and weird and uncomfortable. It actually can be easy. And when you learn how to do it in a way that feels really good, it actually makes it so much easier for the client too. And so People are often say like, I can't believe how easy it is to sell when you know like what to say and how to say it and like how to really build that relationship stuff. So I love that. Thank you. Right. And, and with it, like for anyone, as Nikki said, like she has her own podcast where you can go and listen to that. And I was a guest on Nikki's podcast a few months back where we talked about one of the successes that I had because of us working together. And that was exactly the, what we talked about was the client even commented about how with what I presented to them and how I presented it to them, it was such an easy yes. And them realizing that they needed this help and support in their business to get the right team members. And it wasn't that, that hard push or that hard sell. It was using the right words and language to make it an easy yes for them. Yeah, exactly. I loved having you on the podcast and to share that thank story. You. So thank you for being on it. Yes. All right. Well, let's get to talking about why you're here today. So you 
have a team within your business. And it's a little different than some of the teams that we've been talking about with some other guests lately, because your team is all contractors. So That's right. tell us a little bit about the early parts of growing your team. What was going on in your business when you finally said, you know what, I can't do this all on my own. And who was the first person you brought in? What were they doing for you? Well, so to answer the question, really, I was getting to this place where I was feeling like I'm, I'm spending a lot of time doing things that aren't generating revenue. And this is what I teach my clients how to do is like, make sure that, you know, when you're trying to figure out what to spend your time on as a small business owner, I always say revenue generating activities first. And I was really bogged down with things that weren't really generating revenue, but yet were important parts of my business. So the very first person I ever hired was a executive assistant to, to try to take some of this, like, you know, I don't know if busy work is the right word, but take some of these things that didn't really, I didn't need to do, but I, but I had to do them if nobody else did them. Right. So that was my very first hire. Yeah. So what did, how did you feel? How did things change once you were getting that support in your business? Well, okay. So I'm just being real candid here. Like the first hire wasn't a great hire. (laughs) Um, there was some, there were some things there and there was a learning curve for me too. But I I have experience managing, you know, a large sales team. So I've managed people before, but it's been a lot, it's been a, a lot of years and I wasn't, you know, doing it for my own business. And, and so I made some big mistakes, frankly, early on. And so when I realized like, oh man, I didn't even know how bad of a hire this was initially. Um, And so it was like making that transition. But the things that I found were really crucial is, you know, anything from um, making sure that I'm staying on top of email messaging, right? Like if people are sending me messages and I'm too busy to even respond, like there's business potentially there that could be be, being messed. So I needed somebody who could help me with some of those types of tasks. And then also things like, you know, I was sending out a a weekly sales tip. I still send out a weekly sales newsletter and just even like setting all of that up. And I was spending hours writing them, but then the like setting all of that stuff up. So having somebody who could do that Um, and take that piece off my plate, like setting it up, scheduling it to send out, going out to the right list, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I think there's so many important things that you said in there that we need to, we need to uncover for the listeners. First, you talked about how you managed people in corporate, when you were in the sales world, corporate sales world, you were managing people. And I'm assuming you helped with the hiring of those people, correct? I did. you, You had experience hiring and managing people. And I feel like there's so many people who come from that and it's like, oh, I've, I've done it. I've done it before. So I got it. It's a piece of cake. But as Nikki said, like, it's not always a piece of cake when then you're doing it in your own business, because you're now hiring for something that's most likely very different than what you hired for in the past. And most likely for those positions in corporate, the job description was already created for you. You already, the role was already created. You were just helping to put new people in that role where when you're hiring for your own business, the role hasn't been created yet. You're, you're doing it. You're, you have to create that role. And that's where I find a lot of people, 
you miss a step. They overlook it. And it's like, oh, I just need help. And it's like, well, what exactly do you need help for? Like, what are those tasks that are going to make it so you can focus on those revenue generating tasks and get those back office things off your plate. So you're actually getting the right support in your business. Yes. I really needed you earlier on in my business because you know, I hired somebody, which I still, I will say, I'm still, this is kind of the way that I usually find people in my business or has been up until this point where I look for, like, I'll ask, you know, people who, who do you work with and how has that gone? And, you know, does that person have bandwidth to take on somebody like me? And, and yeah, so again, the first hire wasn't a great fit for my business. And again, I'm, you know, I made some mistakes there. But once you start to figure out like what that role is, I had no idea, like really what was possible and also skill set, right? Like I will say I've been guilty of hiring people and finding out like, what are you good at? And I'll give you those things to do. So I, I think that's a good thing in some respects, but the piece that I haven't been strategic about is what do I really need? And right. does, and hiring the person that has that skill set. So that has been a work in progress. <laughs> yeah. And with that, so I just recently hired my first employee for my business, part-time employee. And I kind of went through that, that process is like, what do I really need for my business? And I created the job description around that. But as I was interviewing people and was making my decision, I was like, okay, well, what else are they good at? Like, where can this position grow and expand to? Cause right now it's a part-time position about 10 hours per week but I'm definitely envisioning as the year goes on, I'm gonna need more help. So it's one of those things where you can balance that. What do you need and what are they good at? Because if they can do what you need, you can always expand and put more on their plates and give them more responsibility based on where they wanna spend their time, their skill set, those additional things that are on top of what you need. But you need to make sure what you need is, is covered first. One of the things I, I always like to say is someone can be really good at what they do, but if they're not good at what you need, it's not a right hire. I actually heard you talk about this on a podcast and I was like, dang, I wish I had heard this, you know, seven years ago, <laughs> like this idea of like really paying attention to what the needs are. And I will say the last contractor that I brought into my business, I had a very clear need. I knew what it was. And bringing her into the business. And then I also found pretty quickly that her capabilities are so far almost limitless. Like she's so capable of so many things. And I keep just asking like, hey, is this, you know, is this type of a thing interesting to you? And do you have the bandwidth for this? And so far her answer has been yes. And she went from being somebody who worked a few hours a month in my business to now working 15 hours a week in my business, which has been amazing. Yeah. So going back to something else that you said that I want to cover before I forget is use your network to find your people. And mm -hmm. one of the things I think that is so important with contractors, because everyone will always ask me, how do you find really good contractors? I'm not ready for an employee. I want contractors. And they're like, do I post on job boards? And I always tell people, I was like, well, do you look on job boards for clients? Chances are you don't, which means a lot of contractors aren't looking on job boards for new opportunities. So I always tell people, I'm like, ask your network, find out who people are working with, because maybe that person isn't right for you, but you get that really good referral from someone. You can talk to that person and most likely they have other people in their network that they refer 
people out to when they're not the right fit or they can connect you with someone. So I always say when you're hiring for contractors, your network is the first place that you should go and asking people just like you did, Nikki, who are you working with? Who would you recommend? Yeah. And I will say I, I have three like core contractors that work in my business daily at this point. And all three of them have come from personal referrals of people who've worked with them. Actually, the last two have come from the same person. So uh, somebody in my network who I'm really good friends with, and also somebody who I have a lot of admiration for her business and how she runs her business has sent these last two people as recommendations. And they've just been like superstars, frankly. Yeah, that's great to hear. So one of the questions I have for you, so now you're running your business, you mentioned you have like three core contractors that, that work with you. Why contractors and not employees? Well, okay. So the, the person who my first and the person who's been with me the longest, she's not interested in being an employee. So if she was, I would probably scoop her up in a heartbeat frankly. And so she, I think she likes having, she has her own business. She likes having a a handful of clients. I consider her my online business manager. That's the title that we have for her because of the type of work that she does. And yeah, again, I, I mean, I just had a conversation with her recently of like, you know, if you feel like you need to take on more clients, maybe we should talk about it, just increasing your hours in my business. And she was like, okay, I'm going to take you up on that. I'm like, great. <laughs> because what I find now is because I do talk about the people that work in my business a lot, um, a lot of my clients actively seek these people out to try to hire them, which I think is awesome because what we're saying, like use your network, they, I would recommend every one of them. Um, but the, actually, when I think about this now, I don't think any of the three want to be employees. Now that I'm, I'm like, hmm. the second person that's in my business, I consider her my personal assistant slash, I'm going to say she kind of, she wears a lot of hats, which I think all three of them do, but she's like personal assistant slash another part of her role is client retention for the sales maven society. She's the person who loves to like, send cards and send gifts and, you know, come up with like fun ideas for the group and things like, like that's very much her personality. And so I try to like build off of that. And she's a stay at home mom. She only wants to work a few hours and she only will do this work for me. So people contact her all the time and say, can I hire you? And the answer is always no, she's not looking for any additional work. Yeah. So I guess that's my answer is I don't think any of them want to be employees but if they did, I would hire them as employees. And now I'm like, I don't know, Jamie, tell me, should I try to like make these people like convince them and send them enough to go, I want to be an employee for Nikki? I don't know. So I always say it's one of those things that you just have to look at, see what is right for the situation. A lot of positions that we hire for can be done by a contractor or they can be done by an employee. And it's really what is right for the relationship with the business? What do you need? And when it comes to contractors, sometimes it's just being okay without having that that full control. You know, so if you're okay with that, those flexible positions where there's the flexible hours that you're really not, where they own the control of the relationship in a way because they are another business that works for you and that works for your business, stick with it. Especially yeah. if it's going to give you the people that that you need and that you like and are making that positive impact that you need in your business. You know, as as you mentioned, 
they don't necessarily want to be employees. Like the one enjoys having her other clients. And I feel like that sometimes is very important for people to hear is, and to remember is that when you work with contractors, they can have other clients. You know, it sounds like the one might not have other clients that she's just working with you, but any day she could change her mind and say, okay, I'm going to go and take that next person that comes to me because I want to, I want to grow my business. Now my kids have reached an age where I have more hours and I'm willing to put in some more hours every week or every month. And you have no control over that when they're a contractor, but if it fits because she's still producing what you need for your business, Hey, keep it a contractor relationship. That was helpful. I actually just had a conversation yesterday with my CFO. So we meet, um, she's another contractor in my business. Um, and we meet monthly and strategize and look at my numbers and all that, you know, all that, all that important stuff behind the scenes. And she was even saying to me yesterday, we were talking about the idea of bringing in somebody with the possibility of like, what would it take to get this person? And the person that I have in mind would have to be an employee and a full-time employee. So that you know, bring some new challenges, but we were talking about it yesterday. So it's funny that we're having this conversation now today. Yeah. So now it's very front of mind for me. Oh, well, it'd be exciting to have your first empl- official employee within your business. Yeah. 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 So one of the things that you mentioned is, you know, a lot of your team members and everything wear many hats. And this is something where I, a lot of people ask me is like, well, what can we put all in one person and what needs to be separate positions? So when you were figuring out, and maybe it's just because they're contractors and you were maxed out on hours they would give you, how did you decide in your business, this needs to be another person versus just adding these tasks to the team you already have? Well, one of the ways that I decided is the person who I consider my online business manager, her rate you know, what I pay her is the highest of what I pay any of the people on my team. Mm -hmm. And so there are things that she certainly could do them, but her capabilities are so much more that I started thinking like, does it really make sense for me to be paying her, you know, this pretty substantial rate as an hourly rate for something that feels a little bit more, like it doesn't really require any kind of tech, you know, technical skills. And it's, Sometimes it's just things like, hey, I want to send my client a gift. You know, can you go source this gift for me? Like that feels almost like a waste of her skill set. And not that, not that that's beneath her or anything like that. I don't mean that. It's just feels like kind of a waste of her skill set. Whereas I'd rather have her, you know, putting together data and pulling data and interfacing with my team if something's wrong with the website and, and, you know, putting together structured offers of how people buy and the, you know, the email sequence that goes behind it, like all of that kind of stuff, which is really important. So it just didn't really make sense. I didn't think as my time really shrunk the amount of time that I had to do any of these things. She only had a certain number of band, excuse me, of hours that she was capable of working. I wanted to maximize the time that I was using for her. So when I brought in somebody else, you know, the, the pay range was, definitely less an hour and for her to do some tasks. And again, she was like, you know, I'll work for you. I don't know, a few hours a week and we'll see kind of how it goes. And, and I was kind of in a place of like, okay, well, let's, let's see how it goes for a few hours a week. Right. Yeah. And I feel like that's a very good point. And everything that you brought up is 
not all tasks are worth the same pay rate. And it's one of those things like when you get into that kind of like CEO mindset and everything, like some of the stuff that you get off your plate is so you can focus on those higher value tasks, like those revenue generating tasks, your time that you spend with clients are those like higher hourly rate, like tasks and everything. And then there's the lower ones. And I think it's good to see that with your team members as well. If you want your team member to focus on these more strategic tasks, even for that team member, you need to get those less strategic tasks off their plates. That sometimes when you go to hire, it's not necessarily to get more stuff maybe off your plate. Sometimes it's to get stuff off your team member's plate so that way they can focus on the right thing for that position. And then you get the other stuff off to another team member. So that stuff's still getting done because as you mentioned at the beginning, there are important tasks that need to get done in your business. They're not wasteful tasks. They just didn't need to be done by you. And now they don't necessarily need to be done by this team member. So you build a position around those items. Yeah. And then, you know, the third person that I hired, the third person that works in my, in my, on my team and in my business a lot is, you know, she had a very specific skill set that the other two did not have. And so that was the initial catalyst for bringing her into the business is that she had this skill set, something that I really needed in my business. I needed some help with. And, and then again, now I found that she's, she's very capable. She doesn't maybe have the capabilities of the technical stuff that my online business manager does. But so it's been really great because now I feel like I have I feel like I have three secret weapons, frankly, (laughs) like in the people that are on my team, I have somebody who can do all this really amazing tech stuff that's, you know, behind the scenes, but yet generates revenue in my business. Then I have this kind of other person who has a skill set that the other two do not have, but yet she's always willing to take on new projects and test and try things. She has the kind of attitude of like, I don't know how to do it, but I'll learn it. And I love that attitude. And then the third person who is just this like rock solid team member who is there to support me and, you know, functions as my, as my personal assistant really. And she's amazing. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And it obviously sounds like, and you said like, you really, you really like your team. And I feel like that's where people really have to be when you're running a business. If you don't like your team, there's a problem there. Like if your team members are causing you stress, there's a problem there. Let's get you team members that you actually like, enjoy, are producing the work that you need done and you are more than happy to pay them. So let's get the good people on your team like Nikki has done. And one of the things I love, Nikki, is I always talk about how there's four signs that you need to hire for your business. And it sounds like across your team members that you've hit three of them. Like, the first one, like you made comment about uh, earlier on in this episode about needing someone to help respond to the email so you're not losing business. And that's always one of the things I always talk about is when you start losing customers due to kind of like those poor customer service things, it's a sign that you need to hire. And sometimes that customer service things means people are going elsewhere or deciding that they don't need your service anymore because you took too long to respond to them. And yes. having someone, I know sometimes like people feel like, Oh, should I pay? Like, can I afford this team member? And I'm always like, what is the value of having one more person say yes? So if one more person, and for some of my clients are like, oh, one more client more than pays for that team member. And it's like, yes. And these people to help you just to respond to people, to help book those sales calls, to help answer those last few questions. So someone says yes to a contract, 
is 100% worth it for most businesses. And then like we talked about before about, you know, just sometimes that other sign is you're having to like shift your focus. You can't do this because you need to do this. So with that one team member, let's get this other stuff, like get another team member for this so they can focus on these strategic things. And this other stuff is still getting done. And then lastly, you said you're bringing in a team member because that skill set wasn't there in your business. You needed that skill set and it wasn't worth the time for anybody else to try to learn and perfect the skill set and do it, it was worth the money to bring in someone who already had that expertise. Yeah. And that's exactly like, those are the, now I'm like, what's the fourth one, Jamie? (laughs) Maybe I need that one too. The fourth one, and who knows, maybe this is why you're going to be possibly bringing in a full-time employee is you're having to say no to your idea clients because you no longer have time to serve all the clients that you want to serve. Or for people that are listening to this that are product-based is your product is always going off the shelf and out of stock and you can't keep up with demand. So people want to pay you now and you're saying, no, thank you. I'm not going to take your money now. I'll, I'll take it a month down the road. I'm going to put you on my wait list or you just have to wait till it's in stock. That's such a good one. Yes. So I will be thinking that I don't think I'm quite there yet, but there, there have been times where I will say I have been there. So that's, yeah. that's a good one to know. So a question for you, Nikki, with your business, and I know from being a client of yours, your business like is a lot of you. You are working one-on-one with your clients. You are very active in your membership group in the Sales Maven Society. It's a lot of you serving your clients. So at any point in your business, once you started bringing in these other people, was there kind of that, that fear of, of delegating that you were maybe pulling yourself out of things you thought would maybe impact your clients in a negative way. For example, you said you have someone in charge of like that client retention who's sometimes helping you source those gifts and everything. Did you ever think about in fear of like, well, what's going to happen? Cause I'm no longer doing this. Well, I will say, I don't think about it from the client standpoint like the interfacing with the client. And, and that's because I still very much am interfacing with the client, but I do see, and again, back to a conversation that I had with my CFO yesterday is that at some point it, there will be a a need for me to allow for other people to kind of take some of the take some of the questions where it's not all like Nikki, Nikki, Nikki all the time, right? Like it can't just always be built on me. The content's there, the training's there, I'm there, but at some point maybe I won't be able to, or won't want to, frankly, be as like the everyday, all day kind of person. So, so I am thinking about that, but the thing that I will say, I often sometimes feel some fear around is I do give my team a lot of autonomy and I want them to, to do things. And I don't want to have to constantly be like, did you do this? Did you do that? Did you do this? But if I notice that something has gotten missed and then I have to question like, okay, why did this get missed? Why wasn't this done? Because it does impact then my client experience when the newsletter doesn't go out or when the, you know, notifications aren't sent when they need to be sent to let people know about meetings and the things that are going on in the community and that kind of stuff. There is this part of me that's always like, okay, I wouldn't have missed it because I know how important it is. And now I'm leaving it up to somebody else to do that part sometimes makes me feel a little bit like, uh, is that okay? Or what if I will say, 
if my online business manager left me, I would be like, oh my gosh, can I, can I step in and do all the things that she was doing? The answer is no, frankly, I couldn't, I'd have to hire somebody pretty quickly who could step in right, and do some of these things. So that's a fear. Yeah. So what are the things you said? Like you might notice stuff and say, okay, that, that should have gone out and you're noticing it. But the thing about it is if you didn't have the people that could help with that, would you have the capability of getting all that stuff out? So sometimes as business owners, <laughs> we're, we know it needs to happen, but we're so overwhelmed that, that it doesn't happen. And sometimes we allow things to slip through the cracks accidentally as well, because we just have so much going on. So yeah, it's sometimes like when you're managing the team and you're, you're over kind of seeing the work and ensuring things get done, you notice when things aren't getting done but could you really do a better job? And that's sometimes where it's like, okay, you have to, you have to delegate, you have to trust. Sometimes we have to remember that everybody's human and sometimes things do slip through the cracks. And, you know, as long as it's not a habit of like forgetting mm -hmm. to send out the newsletter, okay, it happened once in a while. Let's get it out as soon as we can. And let's make sure it doesn't happen again. Yeah. Um, years ago I was at a conference and I don't know if you know who Kate all is. She, her, her, um, oh my gosh. Now the name of her company just completely left me. She, she's a Pinterest expert. She was the keynote speaker. I love Kate all. And she gave a talk about failing forward that it's okay to fail, but you just want to be able to learn from your mistakes. And I always think about that actually in relation to my team too, because believe me, I make plenty of mistakes all day, every day, find things like, oh, I dropped the ball here or, oh, I didn't, you know, I didn't even send my team the content to put out the newsletter. How could they have possibly put it out? Like I didn't give them the content, you know, like that, like I dropped the ball too. And so I do think that if a team member on my team makes a mistake, there isn't ever going to be like a, like, how could you have done this? How could you have made this mistake? Like, that's never my approach. It's more like, Hey, what's going on with this? And I'm, I get curious. And then there isn't even a like, let's make sure it gets done again. I just, I know they know, oh, hey, this was a mistake and they'll pay attention to it next time. I, it really, I mean, maybe I've just been really lucky that I haven't really had any kind of an ongoing issue. And if I feel like there is, I usually just initiate a conversation and check in and ask like, you know, what's going on with this? And is this something that, you know, I want to know, is this something that you don't enjoy doing? Is that why it's not getting done? Right. And then I'm going to look for somebody else. Right. Yeah. I, not, not meaning like I'm going to let that person go, but I'm going to, if, if it's something that makes sense, then I'm going to look for somebody else who can do that job so that I can let them do the things that they enjoy, that they're good at. So they want to stay and be a part of my team. Yeah. Yeah. And with that, it's one of those things, like I always have these conversations going back to like, how many hats can your team member wear? How much can you put on their plate? And when people ask those questions to me, I'm always like, okay, well, some things can go on the same plate. Other things can't because they compete. And those are some of the things everyone, especially in small businesses, they always want to give every team member some sort of sales quota, no matter, no matter the position. And I'm just <laughs> always like, okay, this and this do not go together. So what's going to no. happen? Either they're going to love the sales portion and they're going to thrive in it. That is their area of expertise. And they're going to spend all their time there because you're going to really love that they're bringing in new business for you and that they're helping you grow the revenue, which means everything else on their plate is going to get ignored. And then you're going to be like, well, why aren't you doing this? okay, I love you because you're bringing in revenue, but all this stuff is being ignored. I'm like, or the opposite happens and they hate the sales portion is so 
hard for them and their area of expertise is all that other stuff that they ignore the sales stuff. And then you're mad because they're not bringing in revenue. They're not helping to fill those, that, that gap and those quotas and everything. And you're like, why can't they do it? And I'm just like, some stuff just doesn't belong together. And you need to separate those into two roles. So like you're talking about if they really hate something and it's not getting done because it just drains their energy and they're really good at everything else. And those tasks that drain them can be separated to something else or given to another team member on your team, because it makes sense to combine it with that other team members work. Do that, do what's best for your team and your business. And don't try to fit puzzle pieces together that don't fit. Yeah. Well, as a sales professional, I will say, I think it's a mistake to ask everybody on your team to sell for you you know, there are people who should be your behind the scenes people and they want those roles and they thrive in those roles. And you try to push them into a role of trying to sell something. Yeah. That's a mistake. (laughs) Such a mistake. You know, there's a reason why professional sales reps make really good money and because it does take a skill set and it, but with that in, in mind, this is what I teach is that I think as the business owner, unless your business has grown to a place where it's, you can turn it over and you can afford to have somebody sell for you, like you should be doing the things that generate revenue and sales generate revenue. So that should be part of your role. Yes. And with that also being said is like, even for teams, not selling, if they have any sort of customer interaction, make sure that they are on top of proper client communication and everything. Nikki, it'll probably be a few months ago when this goes live, but Nikki recently had a podcast episode that went live uh, when we were recording this about like, you were right, but now you lost a client. And it was talking about all these things <laughs> of like, okay, yep, the person was so focused on being right and the, the customer being wrong that then the customer doesn't want to be a customer anymore. So yeah. if you have team members that are interacting with your clients, make sure that you go and listen to that episode and have them listen to that episode as well. So you make sure you're having good interactions. So even though they're not selling, they're not losing clients. That is such a good point. Your team can definitely make or break whether or not somebody is going to become a repeat uh, client for you or stay as an existing client. And again, there's, there's reasons why some people don't want to be in positions where they interface with clients and that's okay. But if your team interfaces with clients, there is a component of customer service and customer relationship and the ability to build rapport that is so crucial to your success. I will say, I feel really, again, blessed <laughs> and um, thrilled that my team, all of them are very customer focused and aren't afraid to get on a call with a client if they need to and talk something through or fix something for a client. Um, but yeah, I've certainly worked with people in the past that don't have the, the capacity or the desire to do that. And I am never going to put somebody on my team who doesn't want to talk to clients and then make them talk to clients. Like that's just bad business for me. Right. Yep, exactly. So there's one thing I want to circle back to before we start wrapping up today, Nikki, is you made the comment about, you know, maybe eventually in your business, you're going to have to have like another team member that helps with some of the, that client, like answering the questions in society and everything. And I know a lot of business owners, they kind of fear that because they're like, people join because of, because of me. And now I'm not going to be there. I'm putting someone else in that position. What are my clients going to think? And so someone, Nikki, who is a part of your society, if you've 
had any of those thoughts going out and hopefully this will help anybody else who has those thoughts is I kind of view it as I'm a part of Nikki's society, any part buddy that's a part of Nikki's team. And she trusts to be a part of her team to answer those questions. They're going to answer them pretty much the Nikki way. Cause they're going to be trained the Nikki way. And they're going to go through that training. And at first Nikki's going to be overseeing to making sure that they're giving the right answers and supporting them and educating them and doing everything on the back end. So as a customer, I'm, going to walk out with the same experience in a lot of ways, whether it's Nikki answering the question or another team member answering the question and hopefully still getting access to Nikki and like other ways too, as a part of that. But, you know, knowing that it's Nikki has created this business where it's not some random person answering a question and giving bad advice, that it's still the same level of advice. And I think as business owners, we have to remember that as like when we bring in team members, training them and educating them and helping them be kind of like that in some ways that that junior us that can provide that same level of service to our customers. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think about that a lot. Um, there aren't a lot of people who I would put in that role. They would have had to have pretty extensive training with me, with my content. Um, I actually do have somebody who's a client who, if you ask her a question, she, she can say, this is what Nikki would say. And I will say 90% or more of the time she's right. She is spot on. She knows my work and I would feel very comfortable allowing her to answer questions inside the group. Now, somebody who's never been in my group, I wouldn't feel comfortable allowing them to answer questions because there is a piece of me that shows up in the answers, right? There's my NLP background. That's neuro-linguistic programming for a listener. <laughs> if they're like, what is that? Um, there's that piece of it, but also I have a, and my team knows this too, that everything I do is built, all the foundation of all my work is built on rapport. So everybody on my team that's going to interface with somebody has to be able to build rapport. And then the other thing is I always say my work is built around two like core words, which are credibility and kindness. I want anybody to, who experiences anything that has to do with my business or attached to sales maven brand that it's done through kindness and it's and it's done through credibility we don't talk about things that we don't know we don't position ourselves about as experts on things that we're not experts on like everything is about credibility and then coming from this place of kindness so that's, yeah, that's super important. And it's one of those things, Nikki, if I was like, okay, I'm going to help you write the, the hiring strategy for this position to help have that kind of person that comes into society. Like I'm already started thinking about, okay, what are you going to look for in a team member? Most likely they're going to have the NLP backgrounds that you're not going to put someone in that position. If they don't have that sort of training, you're going to ask interview questions around credibility and kindness, not asking directly, like, are you kind to your, to your customers? Like <laughs> asking the questions to pull out, like, how do they actually interact with people and, and everything? So you can uncover, do they approach customers from that place of kindness? Are they credible in what they do and what does being credible mean for your company and bringing out questions around that? So even though maybe someone hasn't been in your society before, finding that person that once they learn about the society and learn your, maybe they go through all the training in your, in your, um, in your uh, membership and everything. And they learn that part, they got everything else down. So then all they really need to do is what it goes on in this group, but they already know all the background of everything. Yeah. 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 
All right. Well, we have to wrap up today. So Nikki, tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. Well, the easiest way to get in touch with me is wrapped around a gift as a listener. If you're somebody who is interested in sales, wanting to improve your, your skill set around selling, then I'd like to gift you my ebook called Closing the Sale. And you can get that by going to yoursalesmaven.com and maven is M-A-V-E-N. So yoursalesmaven.com forward slash team. And that will get you the free ebook on closing the sale. It will walk you through some of the steps that I talk about in the sales conversation, and then we'll be connected. Yes. And Nikki's books are amazing. So I highly, highly recommend that you go and download that free ebook. All right, Nikki, the final question that I like to ask all my guests, we have all had leaders or managers that have stood out to us. Think of the most impactful leader or manager that you have had, or that you've had the privilege of being around. And can you share with us one thing that made them stand out as a great leader to you? So the person that comes to mind is he was my longtime, I considered him my sales mentor. I never actually worked for him, but he was a leader in the organization that I worked for. And then as I went on into my career and worked at other companies, we always maintained this relationship. And the greatest impact that I learned from him is that he was always so willing to share his knowledge to pass on, you know, he, he had an extensive background in sales. He taught me some really great, like core sales concepts. And he just was always willing that if you were, if you were open, if you were interested, if you asked questions, he was giving of his expertise. And I just found that to be so incredible. It made such an impact on my life. And I try to do that, pass that on now as a result. Thank you so much for sharing, Nikki. And thank you so much for all you shared today and opening up about your team, the structure of your team and everything that they do. And thank you for being a guest on the Growing Your Team podcast. Thanks for having me. And that wraps up this episode of the Growing Your Team podcast. Did you enjoy this episode? If so, and you have not done so yet, please subscribe to the Growing Your Team podcast so you can stay up to date on all the latest episodes and hear all the greatest tips from our guest experts on how you can grow your team so you can scale your business. And if you haven't done so yet, please consider leaving us a review. I would love to hear what you think of the podcast and your review will help other people decide if this is the right podcast for them. So once again, thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Growing Your Team with your host, Jamie Van Kite. Be sure to subscribe and head on over to growingyourteam.com to connect, access the show notes, and discover more ways to hire and leverage your perfect fit team.